The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Ever wondered how a book gets made into a movie? Or how to master the art of cooking? Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. On our podcast, we're going to be serving you a fresh perspective of the entertainment industry alongside our favorite celebrity guests. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. All right, Farrell on the bench. Carver High and I are just uh, doing our usual, just talking bad about people in the uh, in the break. <laughs> he just abused people just fantastically uh, offensive and, and mean. And just overall heinous behavior, and I admire it greatly. I enjoy uh, always speaking poorly about people with Carver High, all the people we don't like. We're very good at it, I have to say. Uh, A couple things. Uh, I heard uh, Dan there talking about some of the uh, movement in baseball, some of the you know, deals going on, and not picking up this guy's option, picking up this guy's option, and and uh, what's going to happen with uh, managers and everything else. So why don't we uh, brush against a couple of these, Carver High. First of all, your thoughts on uh, keeping, which I thought was essential, uh, the sinker ball pitcher, um, Zach Britton. Yeah, I mean, they had to do it. He's a big part of their bullpen. Uh, He makes a lot of money, but you got to pay big money to get good relievers. And he has his moments, but all relievers do. Um, so I, I think the Yankees had to bring him back. That was a no-brainer to me. So will they uh, sign the deal for DJ LeMahieu? Will they get that deal done? No worries I'm sure there. They will. I'm not worried at all. I think that they're gonna. They'll take care of it. They know that he's a priority. Um, but other than other than re-signing him, I I don't think the Yankees are gonna be uh, you know breaking open the piggy bank for anybody uh, this off season. I don't think they are. I think they're gonna get LeMahieu back and. And, you know, that could be it unless Cashman gets creative with a couple of trades. You made a good point today, and I thought about it the other day. They need left-handed bats in the worst way. You know, if they could get Rizzo from the Cubs, you know, to play first base, and, you, you know, maybe you move Voight in another deal, um, I would look to do that because they are so right-handed. They could use a couple of lefty bats there in Yankee Stadium. There's no doubt about that. I would love to see uh, Rizzo play in the Bronx. You think, uh, well... We'll talk more about it when we come back, and we got Joe Lease this hour. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, 
we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. All right, so uh, for all on bands, what I was trying to say to you was uh, that, uh, you know, you said no problem there. They'll get the DJ uh, LeMahieu deal done, and then uh, they'd like to get a left-handed bat like uh, Rizzo. But uh, I don't think they're going after uh, – I really don't believe they're going after Real Muto because I don't think they want to uh, send any money after they lost so much money. Every team in baseball is bleeding money. Uh, certainly the low – payroll teams like you know pittsburgh etc kansas city those teams uh had to have taken a severe beating and a bath uh with this 20 season uh not only did they not make any money they didn't they didn't win any games they didn't go anywhere and all they did was play you know 60 games lose and then they were finished and there's no way to make money so the teams that did make the playoffs uh they lost money as well there was less bleeding, right? So I don't see him going out and doing some big deal for Real Muto and getting rid of Gary Sanchez. The bottom line is, is that I don't believe Real Muto wants to play in New York. I don't believe he's going to play for the Yankees, and I don't believe he's going to play for the Mets. I've heard all this I can take about the Mets are going to, uh, Steve Cohen will be the uh, owner, and that he will immediately start uh, signing uh, Real Muto, Trevor Bauer, uh, and everyone else that matters in baseball. And, and who? Springer? Yeah, please. That guy's not signing those three players at the same time. The, I mean, they'd go broke. So, uh, you know, they're all going to make tons of money, all three of them. And the guy doesn't want to play in New York, allegedly, but I also don't believe a word that comes out of his mouth when he said, you know, um, uh, I, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to leave Philly, but if somebody offers me, you know, uh, unbelievable money, then I would certainly consider it. Well, that's a nice way of saying that whoever pays him the most money, that's where he's going. That's exactly what that means. So, and I got to tell you, um, I'm not uh, really that blown away. I, I don't know about you, but are you serious? Like that this guy's just the greatest thing ever? Real Muto, are you serious? He's not like, going to be worth the amount of money that he is going to get paid. Um, it, he just isn't. Look, look, is he the you know one of the best offensive catchers in the game? Sure, um, but I don't think that that's worth the kind of money that he's asking for and to be paid among players. Um, you know, in that stratosphere, there's guys, Scotty, that are free agents here that are worth a lot more, I think, than Real Muto. I think Springer is absolutely one of them. I think that uh, Ozuna. Uh, Marcel Marzuna from the Braves. I think right. that he's, you know, I think that those are guys that uh, are worth more. And they, and you know, Bauer. Real Muto is also very brittle. I mean, he, he he misses he missed some games this year. He's, you know, 
He's got a great stick. I don't deny it. The dude can hit, and he plays a position where hitting, if you can do it, is such a premium. But shelling out, you know, $250, $300 million for him, I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not sold on doing that. And he, and he gets injured, like you said. And so here I'm going to give some guy some 10-year deal for $250 million, and, I'm gonna, and he's, and he's going to sit on the IL a bunch of times. He's just, he's always injured. So why would I do that? Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, you know, and I know that people are sick and tired of uh, Gary Sanchez in New York, but I honestly, I will keel over if they go out and give, I don't see how it's possible that they could pay Stanton, Judge, uh, everyone that they have on that team, like every yeah. pitcher they have, basically, they haven't, even, they haven't even paid Judge yet. That's coming down the pipe. Right. They haven't even had to pay him yet. <laughs> right, but they're like, my, that's my point. Like, they're gonna have to pay him three hundred million dollars or more. Yeah, yep. and um, that's that's automatic. He's gonna get three hundred twenty-five, three hundred fifty million dollars. He's gonna get as much as Machado got. I mean, he's he's you know. He's, I think Machado's incredible. I love him, but I think Judge is a bigger draw. And, you know, that's all there is to it. You know, one guy's in San Diego, and I think he's been great with Tatis and Hosmer and, and Myers and, and done a great job for our boy, the French Tickler. But I got to tell you, uh, you, you can't tell me he's uh, Aaron Judge. When Aaron Judge is healthy, you know, that one month a year that he's healthy, he tears the cover off the ball and hits these mammoth gargantuan home runs. And it's just automatic. The guy hits home runs, uh, you know, every other day uh, that he comes to the plate. And we saw what Stanton did when he was healthy in the playoffs. The guy hit a bunch of home runs and he looked better than ever. And they can't pay all of them. They can't pay Stanton $350 million, no. Judge $350 million, and Cole. then go out and get Real <laughs> Cole, Muto. They're paying pay Cole $300 million, million. They're paying Garrett Cole $300 million. You know, they're paying a lot of guys a lot of money. So they just, it's impossible. It's impossible for them to be in on those talks. And, and, you're, and you're coming off a year where normally, you know, they didn't get to ring in the $17 beers uh, at, at the house that George built this year. You know, right. they didn't get to ring in the $50 parking. Uh, you right. know, they, they didn't get all that stuff this year. And that's a big reason why they can pay. Garrett Cole, three hundred plus million dollars in stand is because they make so much money during their eighty-one home games. So when they don't have that, it's going to be hard for them to bust open the piggy bank here. Do you think that? Uh, see, the one that I were, uh, if I were Cohen and I own the Mets, the guy I would want is Bauer. If you had, if you had Degrom and Bauer on the in the same rotation, now and remember, they'll have Syndergaard back, right? So. Yeah. Imagine that rotation if they had those three. Because I'll tell you what, all those other bums they got, Matt's and all the rest of them, uh, Shellman, whatever his name is, uh, Zellman, they're, they're yeah. terrible. They're terrible. Like uh, Bauer's yeah. a badass, and and I'll tell you this much. And he also just for our just for our appetite, he would be phenomenal in New York for the tabloids because he's a he's a D. I mean, the guy's yeah. just a he's giant D. Big so he. He's a giant D, and you know what's going to happen when he's just a D. And, and the New York media is so vicious and so ridiculous and so insane that they'll drive him nuts because he's not a pleasant person to deal with to begin with. So if he falls for the trap, the money trap in New York, because that guy Cohen will pay him more than anybody. 
it, Cohen will pay him more money than any team in baseball. See, and if he I, goes there, he'll lose his mind because the media will ruin his life. There's, there's two things with this. First, I think the guy out of those three that if I were the Mets and I was going to invest in one guy, for me, it would actually be Springer. Springer would be the guy because he center field leads off. He hit. He's young still. He hits like I think that that's he's a Connecticut kid. You know, that's the guy that I think that I would invest in if I was going to with one guy. But here's the thing that the Met fan is all giddy and I understand it. I don't know if Cohen's coming in here right away and just going to go and lay, you know, $900 million out on the table and say, you know, go get me this guy and that guy like he's at the supermarket. I think that there's a reason why he had to bring Sandy Alderson on. And I think that Major League Baseball wanted that because they know that Sandy Alderson is used to pinching pennies and that he's going to kind of curb Steve Cohen, at least at the start, from um, you know going on this massive spending spree. So I don't think the Mets are just going to – would they maybe get one guy? Maybe. Maybe they're going to go after one of these guys. But I don't think that there's going to be like a full-blown – you know, supermarket spree with Alderson now back in, in the mix, too. So what do you think of uh, A.J. Hinge getting the Tigers job? Doesn't surprise me. I figured he'd get a job. You know, the two suspended guys, Cora is going to probably go back to the Red Sox, too. It wouldn't stun me. I think they're both going to get a job. Hinch going to go to the Tigers. I mean, the Tigers stink. Got a young team. Um, you know, that's going to be tough. Listen, he must want back in real bad. <laughs> you know, he just wants to get back in the mix and start managing again. Uh, White Sox would have been a better spot for him, but Reinsdorf wanted Larusa. He's going to have a real bad team in Detroit. Yeah, I think uh, you know what they were actually better this summer than everyone thought they were going to be. So there might be something there, some growth. Some they've got a couple upside. of nice young arms like Boyd. You know they've got they've got some young arms there. Right. So and he's he, he knows how to manage. He's he's excellent at cheating. He'll uh, do a and he's fantastic used to, and, and you know what? He is used to managing a young team because before that Astro team was good, you know, they they were a young team. Yeah. He taught them. Uh, they, I mean, just as a group, that as a whole, like as a unit, uh, the fantastic effort cheating. And I think he'll do a great job of doing uh, some of those tips uh, to all the kids in, in Motor City. It'll work out great. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life, so I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn-up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Pharrell on the bench with you. Every Thursday night, we like to talk to our boy Joe Lisi from uh, College Football Today. He's awesome. We always love having him on the bench. Uh, right now, Fresno uh, State leads Colorado State by a touchdown, 17-10. Five and a half minutes left in the second. The game's in 
Fresno. And uh, I guess Colorado State's going to keep that ball there on the roughing the kicker. So it'll be first down Rams. They're down seven. Joe, how you doing, buddy? Oh, watching this Thursday night action, Scotty. I'm locked and loaded and uh, going to be up until about 2 a.m. watching this Colorado State-Fresno game. So I got to see the uh, the final. Uh, Georgia Southern won that game 24-17. I laid five and a half. I hit that game. Colorado State is, uh, I think they were laying one and a half. It went to two and a half, whatever it is, or minus two, something like that. And Carver High is all over Colorado State tonight. He's very angry with what he's seeing so far. <laughs> well, I'm against Carver High in this game, so I'll just keep my comments to myself. But <laughs> what are you doing to me, Joe? Well, I mean, honestly, Joe. I mean, come I'm on, man. You, I know you should have listened. To you. I was on. I was on with Gabe and Cam. We went over these games. We talked about Georgia Southern. We were on Georgia Southern, and we're on Fresno State. I really like Fresno State here. Just not sold on Steve Adazio. A lot of attrition uh, with the wide receiver leaving. Uh, Warren Jackson quarterback issues, but we'll see. This you know this could be a four quarter game. Uh, like I said, it's going to go down to the wire, but I still like the Bulldogs at home catching some points. I was looking at your um, uh, your best picks for the week. Uh, Carver High sent me your the Joe Lisi roll call which includes <laughs> the three best picks and then the uh two additional games also um warning people that it's for uh news and entertainment purposes only <laughs> i just wanted to say that all of my yeah, action exactly. is for is for pure gambling reasons <laughs> and bad intentions and felonies and nudity and getting exactly. uh, Getting some leg. Uh, that's what I'm into. So all your being nice and not, and, and all this like non, uh, you know, breaking the rules and everything. I can't have it. But here's your best picks. You got West Virginia minus three and a half over Kansas State. That game's in Morgantown. I kind of like Kansas State on the road there. And then Memphis uh, plus six and a half over Cincinnati. They're going to the Queen City to play that undefeated Cincinnati team. And then Kentucky. Uh, getting 15 and a half over Georgia. That game, I believe, is in Lexington. Explain those three. West Virginia, uh, their win. You have Memphis uh, covering uh, over Cincinnati and uh, Kentucky covering the 15 and a half over Georgia. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to a couple of factors. The West Virginia game, West Virginia has knocked off Kansas State four straight games now. They won 24 to 20 last year and and won the last four by 9.7 points per game. But two factors, Jared Deggie over Will Howard for me, the front seven of West Virginia only giving up 109 rushing yards per game, Scotty, 3.1 yards per carry. That's the strength of Kansas State. They want to run the football and work off a of play action with Will Howard. I think it's a significant drop-off than Skylar Thompson. And that rushing attack for West Virginia is significantly upgraded with Letty Brown. I think they win this ball game by 10 points or more. Uh, when you look at the Memphis game, I like Memphis plus the six and a half. I like them on the money line as well. I think they win this ball game outright. They defeated Cincinnati two times last year, 29-24 in the AAC championship game, won five straight against the Bearcats by 15.2 points per game. Again, the quarterback position, Brady White over Desmond Ritter, and that defense for Memphis to me is opportunistic. So I think Memphis catch your points 
is great value. And, I, again, I think they win this ball game outright, even though the game is on the road. Um, I don't put a lot of weight into the Cincinnati win over SMU like a lot of people do. SMU, to me, defensively is not as good as Memphis. And then with Kentucky, Joey Gatewood gets a start over Terry Wilson. The line's up to 17. Georgia won 10 straight over Kentucky last time. Kentucky beat Georgia 2009, but Florida's on deck. So I think it's a very vanilla type of game plan for Georgia. I think it's a low-scoring game in the secondary of Kentucky. Hasn't given up a touchdown pass in three games. So I think they're a live dog at home in Lexington. So uh, Fresno just completed like a, a like a 30 or 40-yard strike. I mean, just a beautiful play, finding his receiver all alone along the sideline. Guy made a diving catch. Uh, meanwhile, Colorado State had him backed up to like the one yard line, but now they're out at uh, just uh, right before midfield. So keep our eyes on that. Yeah, I could see uh, that Kentucky uh, number all the way up to 17 now playing them in Lexington. They're just giving them no respect at all that George is going to go in there and and kick their ass. I'm uh, a couple of your other ones. Uh, were the uh, Auburn game and and Virginia Tech. You like both of them, Auburn. Uh, laying or getting two and a half uh, from LSU and Virginia Tech laying three and a half from Louisville. I laid two and a half. I'm with you on those plays. Uh, I have to say, uh, you don't you don't respect uh, Cincinnati, huh? Undefeated and and that they went down to Dallas and beat SMU. You give no stock in what they've done so far. No, I give stock in terms of Cincinnati. They're a blue-collar team. It's going to come down to, if this game plays out, which team do I think can play from behind, number one, and which team do I feel has the better defense and the more athletic team that could dictate the tempo and the better quarterback? And I think that's Memphis. So I think for Cincinnati to win this game and cover this game, everything needs to go right. They need to jump up by 10 to 14 points, run the football, keep Brady White, on the sidelines, I just don't think it happens. I think Memphis starts fast, tries to push tempo on Cincinnati and get them into a high-scoring game. SMU couldn't do it because they didn't have the type of personnel. Memphis does. They can create mismatches with their tight end, Sean Dykes. And Brady White, to me, is what is the best quarterback in the conference. I know we talk about Shane Bouchelle, but to me it's Brady White. He makes solid decisions, doesn't turn the football over either. So let's talk about uh, what your reaction is to the uh, Trevor Lawrence news tonight. And they're basically lining it up that his uh, test he failed on Wednesday. So he'll be cleared uh, a week from tomorrow, which would be Friday the 6th of November. And then Saturday the 7th, they play uh, the Fighting Irish in South Bend. So it sounds to me like he'll be able to play that day unless uh, he has complications over the next nine days. Yeah, that's, that's supposedly what I just heard. I mean, prior to that, it was like, you know, if he tested positive tonight, he wouldn't be cleared until the 8th. So, you know, that's going to be the concern, obviously. If he's cleared to play, uh, you know, by the 6th, I don't think it's a problem now. And, again, I don't think it'll affect him. He'll still, you know, break down coverage. He'll break down defenses, watch Notre Dame play Georgia Tech that they just absolutely demolished. And BC will be a tough task. I mean, Jakovic's going to be, you know, a solid quarterback, and he'll challenge that defense over the top. But offensive line issues for Boston College, you might actually get better value with Trevor Lawrence not playing. They're probably going to run the football with ETN. I mean, this line, I haven't looked where it is right now, but anything under 28 points, I'd be looking to take Clemson over BC in this matchup. 
Yeah, I'm seeing 24, but I, you know, originally I got it at uh, like 31 and a hook that they were getting 31 and right. a hook from uh, Clemson. And it's obviously, if that's accurate, moving right now down to 24. How do you think the uh, five-star phenom freshman will do uh, for Clemson in Chestnut Hill in the, you know, cold, the rain, the leaves, the wind, uh, no problem there for the kid? Yeah, again, I mean, you know, when you look at this matchup, traditionally Boston College has played them very tough in recent years, got them into lower scoring games. I think it just comes down to the interior line, and that's been a big concern uh, for Clemson, uh, not Clemson, excuse me, uh, Boston College in terms of their offensive line. As good as Jakovic has been, they've really worn down against bigger physical defensive fronts, and you can go back to that Clem- uh, Pittsburgh game where Pittsburgh sacked him six times this is going to be a different animal with Clemson. So I think it's a, a vanilla type of game plan. They look to utilize short to intermediate throws, but the game is going to really revolve on the offensive line and rushing attack with Travis Etienne. And I don't think this ball game is even close in the first half. I think Clemson runs on them, jumps up by maybe 21, and then just maintains that lead straight through the fourth quarter and wins it anywhere from like 31 to 34 in, in the second half. So I, well, you mentioned this kid, Jakovic. I, I remember Joe Jakovic. He was a kid. I, I think that was his name. He played at Akron for the Zips. He played college basketball. He was a white boy. And I went to see this kid play back in the whatever. I, I think it was in the 80s uh, when I was in Indiana. I saw this kid play, and he was dropping for, like 35, 40 a game at Akron for the Zips back in the day. And this guy, I mean, this guy could fill it up. Look him up. Joe Jacoby, I think was his name. Oh, my God, could this guy uh, play basketball? He was a great scorer. So how do you think uh, Notre Dame will do uh, against uh, Georgia Tech? Like, you know, Clemson beat him to death. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be, you know, again, a, a vanilla type of game plan. I think Georgia Tech has a chance to cover this game. I, I really do. I think they get them into a lower scoring game, not sold on the wideouts for uh, Notre Dame the way Clemson had on Armani Rodgers. And I think they can go toe-to-toe with them. I think Notre Dame might win this ball game, 14 to 17 points. But I'm, I'm looking to take Georgia Tech. Took them plus 20 and a half. Looking to take them from an in-game perspective as well. You always uh, bet on this Georgia Tech team. I mean, uh, it stuns me because <laughs> I, I, I bet on Clemson that day, and they beat them like a rented mule, and I don't see what you see in them because I think they suck. They do record-wise. You're right. I mean, they were the worst team in the ACC last year, but they're getting better under Jeff Collins, Scotty. <laughs> yeah. You're too nice, Joe. All right, we'll come back with Joe Lisi and uh, – and we'll talk about all the rest of the college football games and gamble heavily. All right, we're talking to Joe Lisi about all the uh, college football games this weekend. By the way, uh, another Fresno touchdown. They moved down the field on... Colorado State as if they uh, weren't even on the field. They literally, it was like <laughs> Colorado State was on the sideline well, and they just well, gave them the ball and said, here. On this drive alone, they started inside their own five. They converted a third and 17 and a third and 19. Two of those, how do you let that happen on the same drive? 
Third and 17 and third and 19 on the same drive, you allow that to happen. Awful job by the Rams. I don't even know what uh, – there wasn't one play that didn't work. Every single pass the guy threw was completed, <laughs> and they gained 15 yards. I mean, uh, Colorado State sucks so bad. Like, I even said that today that uh, – I was on Coast to Coast, and I said, I saw Jesus once in Fort Collins smoking a joint. And uh, (laughs) they suck in sports. I don't care what anybody says. Like, I hope you hear me in Fort Collins loud and clear. Your program sucks and everything. Football, basketball, you name it. And there's not even good-looking chicks there. (laughs) No, huh? That's that's a killer. (laughs) That's a killer, Joe. We got to just tell it like it is. That's a trifecta. I mean, honestly, oh, that's horrible. That's harsh. I've oh. stayed there. I've been wow. there before. Wow. I've gone to Fort Collins. I, I've partied there. Did some bad things there, Joe. Yeah, it's a great Collins. stadium. They have a great home field. I mean, their stadium's nice. But, uh, yeah, uh, Carver, I heard the wind come right out of his sails when uh, when you said they scored again. You know, I, I heard it. I, yeah. I felt it. <laughs> the wind coming out. I of mean, city. can you blame me, Joe? I mean, honestly, can you can you blame me here? All right, we, 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 <laughs> they're awful. They are awful. And then last week they were getting bent over by Hawaii, and now they look like they're ready to play Clemson tomorrow. Uh, it's unbelievable. Michigan State and Michigan <laughs> in the big house, Joe. Uh, Michigan's laying twenty four and a half. I got it at twenty five and a half. Uh, when is the last time? Seriously, that uh, either team in this game blew anybody out. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point, Scotty. I mean, it is a rivalry game. I mean, Michigan won a couple of years ago, 21-7. to seven. They covered that number. I believe it was seven and a half, uh, almost eight, got up to eight in that matchup. But it's a rivalry game. And I know after losing to Rutgers, a lot of money's coming in on Michigan. And granted, they're the better team entering week two with Joe Milton. I was on Michigan last week, but I'm going to take the 25 and a half. It's a rivalry game. Also like Michigan State plus 13 and a half in the first half. I mean, that's what I expect. Them to bounce back in a big way, get them into an ugly game, especially in the first half, make it a third, fourth quarter type of game. They can run the football and shorten drives. I think Michigan State has an opportunity to at least cover this number. Yeah, by the way, uh, I just like giving updates. Uh, Colorado State's quarterback just threw a perfect dime on a bomb to the receiver, Scott Jr., uh, right in his hands, and he dropped it. Nice job, kid. Call your mom after the game. Tell her you love her. Nice nice drop, bro. Honestly, by the way, your girlfriend, girlfriend, the guy's girlfriend just was spotted going to the other side in the stadium and – Started talking to a guy with a five o'clock shadow. I don't know what's going on there, but she's looking like she's done with Mr. And Scott. He, and then he, he and then he gets hurt. That's the word. If you're going to short arm it, go right back to the huddle. He he gets hurt. He walks off the field. You can't do that. You can't do that. That's horrible. It's embarrassing. That, that was definitely. Uh, Iowa State and Kansas is, is in Lawrence. Iowa State's laying twenty eight and a half. When is the last time Iowa State beat anyone by 29 points in the history of their program? Like, before Christ. <laughs> Scotty, you, you you know, I'm putting out this pick on college football today. Close your eyes and take in. 
close your eyes. Don't watch the game. I don't know how they do it. But coming off the emotional loss to Oklahoma State, the way they lost that ball game last week after being tied at 14, there's really not a lot to play for in terms of a Big 12 title. A lot has come out of their sales, two losses on the year, and this is a team that plays down to the level of competition. They lose outright to UL Lafayette. Last year, they laid 42 and a hook to Drake and barely won that game. So I'm, I'm taking Kansas coming off the rivalry loss to K-State. I know no Puka Williams, but give me the Jayhawks plus the 28 and a half points in this matchup. Yeah, but I, this is unbelievable, though. They're so awful. Uh, Kansas is so awful. I don't know. Uh, temp, let's see. Uh, I just want to do like some of these games. Uh, some of these games, these smaller games, do you, uh, do you like that FAU game in, in Boca that they can handle five against Texas San Antonio? Are you into those types of games? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched them. I mean, I'll bet them maybe from an in-game perspective, but I mean, you know, looking at that matchup overall, I mean, I would take FAU in that matchup. I think there's a stronger team entering this ball game to run the football more effectively. So I would back FAU early on in that matchup uh, against uh, UTSA. Tulane and Temple. Tulane's laying four. I got it at two and a half when it opened. Uh, do you like to, uh, the the wave at home against Temple after all that bad weather they had down there? They had Zeta rip through there and. Boy, did they get battered again in uh, Louisiana. Yeah, they did. And, and you know, I have a lot of friends down in the bayou over there. So hope, hopefully they're all right. But uh, Temple's quarterback, supposedly Anthony Russo, uh, is is out for this ballgame. So Tulane now is the favorite in this matchup. I like the green wave. I mean, again, going with the freshman quarterback, I mean, you know, inexperienced at the quarterback position. But for me, they can run the football. I like their defensive front. I know they haven't played well this year consistently, but I like Willie Fritz, and I like this team at home. I'm going to lay the wood with, uh, with the Tulane against Temple here. Just not sold on, on that offense for Temple, and more importantly, the defense overall for the Owls heading into this matchup. So Purdue, I hit last week uh, with that game against Iowa in West Lafayette. They didn't have Brom. And they still won the game outright. Now they're going to Champaign-Urbana. They're laying seven to Illinois. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised they screw this up. I got Illinois at seven and a half. Uh, Purdue, uh, I middled it. What did you think of them winning last week? And do you give them any chance of uh, backing it up with a win on the road? Yeah, I mean, you know, in this type of atmosphere against Purdue, they can cover this type of ball game. Now, Rondell Moore supposedly back for Purdue in this matchup, so that should help their offense in terms of obviously having another explosive playmaker. The problem with Illinois is if they can't run the football, they don't have a shot. Uh, you know, if the game falls on Brandon Peters, it's lights out and it's over. So you have to give the edge to Purdue, but that being said, I would take the seven points in this matchup. I'm just not sold on Purdue being an elite team. I think they can bounce back, get it into a lower-scoring game. So I would take the Illini plus the seven points in this matchup. <laughs> uh, so uh, LSU and Auburn, uh, you, you gave me Auburn in that one with the two-and-a-half, right? And then uh, how about Northwestern Iowa in Iowa City? Uh, Northwestern open with a bang. Iowa loses in West Lafayette. Do you like the Hawkeyes at Connect at home? Yeah, I do. Uh, I, I like them to bounce back in a, a bigger way. It's a rivalry game. Northwestern traditionally plays them very tough. 
and they stepped up and dominated Maryland going on in, on the road in this matchup. I would still lay the small number with Iowa in this ballgame. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma State's going to be a great game in the Big 12 in Stillwater. Oklahoma State laying three and a half. Yeah, Oklahoma State's won four of the last five. Texas won 36-30 last year. I picked Oklahoma State to win the Big 12. So, I mean, this is a great position for them. The line scares me, but I'm still going to lay it. I'm not sold on Texas, even though I backed them last week. They almost blew that game against Baylor after jumping out 27-3. This team can't hold a lead, and to me, they're too inconsistent. Even on the road, can't back Sam Ellinger and the crew. Give me... Give me Oklahoma State. I think they're the best complete team in the Big 12 this year. Uh, Ole Miss is at uh, Vandy uh, in uh, Smashville. Can Ole Miss handle that much wood, 16 and a hook? They can. I mean, I just don't think Vanderbilt has the type of offensive weapons to go toe-to-toe with them. I know they've covered some games early on, but I would lay the wood. I mean, this is a game that, you know, Lane Kiffin wants to win, needs to win. And after these heartbreaking losses in recent weeks, give me Ole Miss. I think they throttle him. I think he looks to put a 50 spot up on Vanderbilt early and often. I think they cover this number fairly easy uh, against the Commodores. Mississippi State getting 30 and a hook from Alabama and Tuscaloosa. Yeah, you know, a lot of attrition. You know, Leach is losing guys left and right, and uh, Kylan Hill, his big play running back, might opt out as well. I don't think it matters, though. You know, I'm still going to take the 31-and-a-half. I like Mississippi State plus the 17-and-a-half first half without Jalen Waddell. And, again, you know, Alabama's struggle with these type of offenses. I know they haven't played well, but I think they could put some points up on Alabama and cover this 30-and-a-half point number. Ohio State and Penn State, no whiteout. They're just playing in Miserable Valley. And uh, Penn State's getting 12 and a half from the Buckeyes. Yeah, typically I'd be, I'd be taking the underdog, 26-2 at home under James Franklin since 2016. But this game comes down to Sean Clifford. Not sold on him. You go back to that game last year. Will Levis came in and led that team on the, on the comeback for 17 points. I think it's a blowout, blowout special. I know Ohio State's won the last three by 4.3 points per game. No Journey Brown, no Noah Kane. I think Iowa, uh, Ohio State rolls. I think they beat, the, beat them by 21 points in this matchup. Catching only 12 and a half. It was, if it was over 17, maybe, but 11 and a half, 12 and a half in that area, under two touchdowns, give me Ohio State. <laughs> All right, Arkansas and AM at Kyle Field. AM's laying 12. Arkansas has been pretty tough in their games lately. Yeah, they have. And, and Texas AM has won eight straight. Three of these games, though, have gone to overtime. So traditionally, yeah, Arkansas plays them very tough, lost 31 to 27, lined open up at 10 and a half. It's up to 12 and a half. But I think this is a bad matchup for Arkansas. I think AM covers this number fairly easy. I think they're the better team entering week number nine here. I would lay it. And Missouri's playing in the swamp, and they're getting 12 and a half from the Gators, who've been idle with all their COVID problems. Do you think the Tigers can hang with them? Yeah, they can. Typically, I mean, they, they play them pretty well. One here a couple of years ago on homecoming as a five and a half point underdog for Drew Locke. But I think there's a tough matchup with the freshman quarterback, Blazevic. Uh, I think it's very tough. And even though they've had long layoff, give me Florida on deck for, for Georgia. They need to steamroll Missouri to get ready for, 
for Georgia in that matchup. North Carolina lands seven at uh, Virginia. Uh, I would take the points. Rivalry game. This game went down to the wire last week, uh, last year, excuse me. Virginia made me money all year long. Give me Virginia plus the, the short number against Sam Howell and the crew. All right, real quick, Oklahoma and Texas Tech in Lubbock and uh, Sooners laying 14 and a hook. I would take the points with Texas Tech in this matchup. That's their season right there. And San Diego State, Utah State, we're on in San Diego on Mightier 1090. Got to give the Aztecs some love. They're laying seven and a hook on the road in Logan against Utah State. Yeah, I don't love the game. I, I lean to San Diego State a little bit. I like the over, actually, in the matchup. I, I think San Diego State and Utah State put up points. All right, Joe, great stuff. Uh, college football today is a badass show. Joe's our favorite. Uh, he kills it on the bench and on Sports Grid. Joe, enjoy all the games, the rest of the games tonight and on Friday and Saturday. Thanks for coming on the bench, brother. Love you. Peace. Anytime, brother. Love the show. All right, there he is, uh, Joe Lisi, our guy, uh, always giving us the skinny on the college football scene on Thursday nights. So Joe Lisi said that uh, I think Gabe and and Joe were on uh, Georgia Southern laying the five and a half and they were on Fresno and they're kicking Colorado State's ass at the half by two touchdowns. Uh, Did you get the uh, trifecta with the Falcons tonight there, Marinci? Sports Rage is next on Sports Grid Radio Overnights. No, unfortunately, uh, Scotty, what can you say? When you're right 52% of the time, you're going to be wrong 48% of the time. <laughs> right. They said on The Simpsons. Uh, but, um, no, you're right. We we were on the, the right side of the college game. So far, so good with Fresno State. We did have Carolina. I ended up going 5-5. Five and five. I'm a degenerate. I had a million props. Uh, so we went 5-2 and two with the props. Uh, but I, I had the Panthers to win the game. I had the over in the game. And I had the game teased. To, game, to go over the number. Looked like Atlanta were about to blow it again, didn't it? But uh, Teddy Bridgewater, that was a bad pass at the end. Oh, God. I thought their offense was so anemic. Oh, my God. How boring are they? Yeah, you know, I'm a big Matt Rule fan, but... But this isn't – there's a lot of mistakes that are made, bro. You know what I mean? Like, you know, in play calling, decision making, they sat on all the timeouts uh, until the last, you know, the last minute and a half of the football game. It's this way. It's been this way all year. Listen, Teddy Bridgewater is awesome against the spread, guys. He's, he's now 32-11. and 11. He was 32-10 and 10 against the spread coming into tonight. But we're learning they lost against the Bears when they had to win the game. I'm going to bet on Carolina, Scotty, moving forward when they don't have to win the game, when I'm getting points. When they have to win the game, it's not worth sweating this stuff out. Yeah, no doubt. They're 3-5 uh, and five now. The Falcons with their comeback uh, parade now 2-6. and six. Have a great show. Marenzi's next to Sports Rage. I'll see you tomorrow on Coast to Coast of 4. Good night, everybody. 
Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.